Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. I'm looking forward to presenting this conversation to you today. It's with Stephanie Grisham. She is the New York Times bestselling author of I'll Take Your Questions Now, What I Saw in the Trump White House. Uh, During the Trump administration, she served as White House press secretary and director of communication for both the president and first lady, Melania Trump. She's the only person in history who has held three senior roles at once while representing both the East and West Wings. Stephanie, welcome back into the back room. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Is there anything to talk about, maybe? No. No? This will probably be pretty boring, so. Yeah. Anything significant happened to your old boss this week? (laughs) So many things. I mean, even this morning, I'm reeling from all the news, honestly. God, I always wonder what people like you walk around with in your head from when you were in the chaos, personally. Like your perspective on things must be so different. Like one of the first questions I want to ask you is like, what is in Trump's mind right now? And when I ask that, it's actually a two-part question because I want to know what was in his mind the minute he heard the news, but then once Trump processes for like 15 hours, what's in his head then? Like, what is he thinking last night? What is he thinking right now? (laughs) Last night, you know, it's it's interesting that you asked that because I was actually watching um, I was watching CNN and I noticed that his one of his attorneys went on and his attorney was combative as usual. Um, and I, it was Jim Trustee who I guess resigned this right. morning. But I thought to myself, well, that that attorney is performing for an audience of one. That's for sure. You can tell that Trump was last night pissed mm-hmm. and telling everybody to go out on TV to defend him, which is something that happened all the time in the White House with us. Um, and I think today it's going to be a lot of the same. It's going to be him being angry. He's He feels like he's this victim and he's just going to be yelling at people to get out and defend him. And, you know, these people are useless. Everyone's useless. Um, and why doesn't he have good people around him? That kind of thing. Do you think he understands the gravity of the situation? Like when I get a parking ticket, I'm scared shitless. And I was saying uh, to someone earlier, I, when I see that picture of Jack Smith, you know, the one, the one picture of Jack Smith where he's in that like judicial robe thing and his yes. face, he looks like something out of Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's like, yes. I crap yes. my pants just looking at a picture of that guy and he's not investigating me, right? If that guy had just indicted me and is about to indict me perhaps again, I would be beside myself. But there's something about Trump that makes me feel like he doesn't get it. Does he get it? In your mind? No, you have, to, you have to remember the people who are surrounding him. You know, I think I tweeted something to this effect last night. The people who surround him, it truly is like that, that children's story. The emperor has no clothes. Right. And so everyone around him is telling him, you know, this is a witch hunt. Everyone's after you. It's because you're so powerful, sir. Um, we'll get you out of this. It'll be okay. And then I think also to some degree, he hasn't suffered consequences. He hasn't yet. Sure, the E. Jean Carroll thing, he, you know, was found guilty, but that was civil. Um, Still very important. I'm not even trying to dismiss it, but he hasn't had any consequences yet. I do think it's got to be on some level sinking in because he has now been, you know, perp walked almost. He did that in Manhattan and now this is at the federal level. So it's got to be sinking in. But the people around him will never just tell him the truth. And look, I was guilty of that too. I'm not actually throwing stones mm-hmm. at those people. You are one of those people that, 
I consider sane. Like we all, at some point in our lives, get caught up in something that we may look at and go, oh, this is not for me. I got to get it. Like, and you get out. You change your life, right? Yes. What's fascinating to me and mystifying are the people, to your point, who are still telling the emperor he's got new clothes. Like after watching your, was it predecessor or did she come after you? I think she came after you. Kaylee came after you. Yeah, Kaylee. Yeah. Press, yeah, she came after watching him throw her under the bus, I mean, you can't, you couldn't get more loyal than Kaylee McEnany, right? Right. How does he still have anyone around him telling him anything? Like, how, how isn't everyone jumping off the Titanic? Trump. So it's the Trump. No, I think you just coined something there. You might want to get that. Uh, what do you? I don't even know. Cop, but copyright. Um, thank you. That's the word. I'm not on my second cup of coffee yet myself. But anyway, um. I still, after all this time, have not been able to adequately communicate and, and answer that question. However, I'll try once, once again. When you're around him, you feel so good that you have survived all these people, right? So now you've got people around him who are like, ha, I've even survived Kaylee, right? And it's this weird warped sense of pride and... You think you're untouchable, and he's got this way of making you feel like, you know, you are so much better than all these people, and he trusts you more. And there's this, it's just an ego thing, I think. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part is fear. You know, when you do jump off the Trump Tannic, it's not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. People are not calling you life preservers, I'll tell you that. Right. The left is so pissed at you because you were ever involved. Then now you've got the right coming at you because you're a traitor. You've got Donald Trump coming after you. That's scary. And you have to be strong enough to be sitting on this little island and, you know, worried about your future and how are you going to pay your bills and for your personal safety. And I think that's the other part of it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, but even people that presumably have power in some way or prestige in some way, you take Mike Pence, who this week simultaneously basically said Trump's a monster, he hates the Constitution, he's selfish, he's dangerous, and he should never be president again. But if he's nominated, I'll vote for him. I was so disappointed in that. I think, you know, there's power in numbers, and if everybody would just say, you know, just say, like, this is not okay, but they won't. And I think, you know, Pence wants to be elected president now, and now he's walking that tightrope line of, I can't piss off the base. I can't upset. You know, I've got to get through this primary. And the only way to do it is to say things like that. And, you know, I, I bring up, I want to bring up Nancy Mace. I watched her this morning do an interview. And <clears throat> I find her to be, I really like her. I think that uh, policy-wise, she does a good job. I think she's a little bit more middle of the road. She seems very reasonable. But even today, she's like saying that this was a witch hunt and comparing it to the Biden documents and Pence having documents and even Hillary Clinton. And it's like, what are you doing? I know you know the difference here. And it's politics, plain and simple. And I think by and large, most of the country doesn't get it because they don't have time to get it. They don't, they're, they're working and paying for, you know, food on the table and taking care of their children. And so it's, it's so sick and twisted, but it's politics. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Congresswoman Mace because uh, it seems like in the last several weeks, she's done a bit of a turn. And I don't understand that phenomenon because that's, to, to stick with the Trump-Tanic analogy, that's like being in a dinghy watching the Titanic 
headed for the iceberg and going, get me on that ship. Right. I think with her, um, because I don't think her, you know, she's never been super close to him. So I don't think she even had the proximity to power reasoning that I had mentioned. I honestly think with her, it's they're in an echo chamber there. And she's got McCarthy and she's got all these people who she has to work with every day who are defending him. And there's all this outrage. And she does stand on her own strong often. But I think in this regard, sometimes you're in an echo chamber and all you hear are these these one explanations and you can't get out and hear the rest of the world and what they're thinking. And you just lose perspective about what the real people out in the world are thinking, which is what has been amazing for me, having moved so far outside of D.C., is to have such a different perspective talking to normal people, being a normal person living in a you know small town. Mm-hmm. I think there's perspective in that little echo chamber of the Capitol. And to your earlier point about tr- Trump, is there, like, I, we've been taping all morning and haven't really had a chance to look at the news, but I saw the judge in Florida is a pro-Trump judge. Do you think in Trump's mind, because he's never been held accountable for anything, like, do you just think he's like, ah, the judge, he's in my pocket? That's yep. it. It's, you know, yep. or, or there's going to be a juror, one juror. That's all I need. Hung jury, you know? 100%. Yes. And is, is that what's floating around his head? It, it is. And it's also what he's being told. Everyone is telling him, I guarantee you, it is what I would be telling him right now. Sir, all they have to, we have to have is one juror who does not, who's on your side. And in Florida, we've got a really good chance of that. Hmm. It's going to be fine. And now with this judge, which I'm really curious about, because it seems like this would be kind of a conflict of interest since she already had the controversial decision before to appoint a special master to the whole thing. Right. Um, Gary in the weeds for your listeners. So I'll just stop there. But I just think it's an odd thing. I don't know. If she oh, that really was the judge? judge, the special master. Yes. Oh, fuck me. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't, I literally said that those words this morning when I saw oh. that. I was like. Wow. Um. Fate. Yeah. So, but yes, that is what I he's thinking, and it's what he's being told. So, the person you describe, literally, it's like I have grandchildren. So when I'm visiting my grandchildren, and I want them to eat. I'm like, all right, if you eat your hot dog, you'll get that donut, right? It, it sounds like that's how you talk to Trump. Like you literally talk to him like he's a like a child. Like you have to tell him what he wants to hear and then bribe him and blah, blah, and get him distracted. And like, it's so sick. All of it is just so sick to me. I I find it so disturbingly sick, you know? Yeah. And there's no sort of about it. It is that you have to tell him what he wants to hear and you absolutely, you distract him. People used to bring, if he was in a bad mood or someone wanted things, you would bring him. It could be from the most obscure website. But some article saying how wonderful he is. It could be some teenager's blog. And if you put that in front of him first, he would be like, you know, you would get on his good side. And then, you know, I wrote in my book about the guy we used to call in to listen to music if he was in a bad mood. Um, called the, the music man was his nickname. And so that is exactly how it was. And I think it's so unbelievable to a lot of people that they just don't believe that to be true. They don't want to believe you know, that that this powerful man who was president had to be handled that way. Um, And then, you know, the people who are still around him now, again, they don't want to, they don't want people to know that. They want people to think that they are, you know, advising him and really making a difference. When you're in that mode with him, like in in real time back then, do you, are you drunk on the Kool-Aid so you don't realize what's happening or 
as you're giving him his donut, do you realize, God, I'm, I have to give this fucking grown man, the president, a donut. Like, to get, like, do you know what's happening? Or do you not know it until you're out of it? Because you're so caught up. Oh, such a great... I mean, I would say, you okay, you know, you, you know what you're doing. You know you're giving him a donut, right? But in your mind, you think you're giving him a donut for the good of the country. Like, if you can, like, make him happy with this donut and get him to make some decisions or change his mind on some decisions, you've done something good for the country. Um, and I think that for me, and I'm sure others who would admit this and also who don't know it yet, but you, that's how we justified it was, you know what? He's out of control, but I got to stay here to try to, you know, and we did, I've said this before, a lot of people did stop him from making a lot of decisions or a lot of people did get him to do a lot of good things mm -hmm. um, that, you know, he didn't want to do. So that I think is the mindset. You're out of it. You're like, what the fuck? I was giving this guy so much under the auspice that I was helping the country. And, you know, you feel kind of stupid. But when you're in there, I think that's that's how you, you justify it. But is it a gradual transformation? Like when you're still like chucking munchkins in his face, like a circus poodle with treats, right? Is there a moment where you're like, oh, this isn't about the country anymore? And then at, yeah. some, at some point you're out. Right. Like, yeah. And I think that that is I think that would almost be a different story, a different answer for everybody. First, but personally for me. Yeah. When I started to see. And hear some of the things he would say privately, see his temper, see how he treated people, hear some of his ideas. Um, and, you know, again, the answer to everybody is Stephanie, you knew who he was, you know, when you started. Um, right. Sure. To a degree. But then you really see some things behind the scenes and you start getting just the way you start getting treated. Yeah. You start knowing and thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? And then and then it's like you feel trapped because if you leave, everyone is going to come after you. And will you have a job and will you survive and how will you pay your bills? It's it's truly scary. And, you know, it's I still to this day, if I when I talk, everyone's like, I don't. I don't forgive you. You were complicit. You deserved a rotten hell, you know? And it's right. like, well, why, should I just stop talking now? What right. do you want me to do? Um, so it's scary. It's yeah, scary. No, I, it's an interesting thing because I've had a lot of people on and I've become friends with a, a lot of them. You know, uh, this week we have an episode with Joe Walsh. I've interviewed Mooch, who I love. And he said, look, I was a guy from Long Island, you know, I'm blue collar family and now I'm in the Oval Office. Like, I get it. OK, I understand. I understand that. But then you also yeah. focus more on what has the person done to maybe rectify? Have, have they identified a situation that needs rec rectifying? If you right. learn from your mistakes and you try to do a, a, a 180. That's what matters. I mean, I went through this with people with Liz Cheney. They'd say, oh, she's so conservative and anti-abortion. I'm like, but she's fighting for democracy. Who gives a fuck what her opinions are on abortion? That's secondary. Yeah. If you're living in a dictatorship, yeah. trust me, abortion is not going to be the biggest problem you have. <clears throat> and so it is surprising in a way that people like yourself still get that kind of thing after you've sort of dedicated yourself to trying to do the right thing. But I guess that's where, why we are where we are in this country today, because toxicity rules the day, you know, partisanship yeah. rules the day. What about Melania and the kids? Like, what do you, 
like, what is Melania thinking right now? So she's thinking this is his problem and I'm just going to do my go on with my life. You know, it's funny. I saw last night I had I was up really late and I happened to see on Twitter some story where it shows her actually yesterday walking out of Trump Tower and she's got glasses on and no makeup. And I think the headline was like, you know, Melania Trump looking grim and worried ahead of her husband's indictment. And I'm like, what if she just had a fucking headache? Like, what? Don't don't apply any feelings to that woman because I can tell you she thinks this is his problem and she is going about her business and she's she's being a mom and she's spending time with her parents and she's doing her own thing like she always has done. But but still together with him or is it they're like some shadow separation that we're not aware of or I don't I mean they have very separate lives so I don't think there's a shadow separate I mean this is how it's done after Mar-a-Lago season ends he goes to Bedminster she spends a majority of her time in New York sometimes she'll go to Bedminster on the weekends but that's because their son likes to go and golf and do do things and you know she shows up when she's really needed or called upon and she very much thinks this is his problem and you know, you notice she hasn't been putting out all kinds of statements in support of her husband. Um, she certainly hasn't been going to different, you know, court things with him. It's just she does her own thing. Yeah, there there have been no it's a weech hunt tweets coming from, yeah, no. from uh, <laughs> Melania. And what about the kids? Like, I was thinking last night that probably the most devastated Trump is Ivanka because she so desperately wants her old life back and probably knows... She's never going to get it. She's not even going to get anything close to it. I mean, she's practically, would she change her name basically to Kushner the other week? <laughs> I don't think Eric and Don feel the same way because they're just leeches. Like they have no life without daddy. But I think she had a decent life without daddy. And he destroyed so. that. And she was a, a willing participant in that to a certain degree, I think. But what do you think the three of them are thinking right now? Um, I'm hearing what I've been hearing from people for quite a while is that it's very it's a very separate relationship that, you know, they they maybe chat with phone calls, but they don't spend really a whole lot of time with him. Um, and I think, you know, again, knowing them the way I do, they are they've always uh, Jared and Ivanka, they've always been very concerned about how they look, you know, um, in terms of to the public, um, their image. So I think that they're just kind of standing back and she'll always say, I love my father. I support his, my father, but I don't always support his decisions. I think it's going to be kind of that message for, from them. Um, and you're right about Eric and, and um, Dawn Jr. I think that they, you know, they've had a lot of success because of their father selling trinkets and, you know, Laura Trump has been on TV and, continues to go on TV defending him. And so they've really benefited from him in all of this mess. And I think they'll constantly always, always defend him. Yeah. Don Jr. last night on Twitter, he was having a bit of a meltdown. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Well, this always... Yeah. What... Like, he's always having a meltdown about something. He's like Kendall from Succession, you know? Like, he's going to be standing at the water's edge soon. And unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be a Colin standing near him to stop him from jumping. I think that's 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 Junior's future, in my opinion. Not to get morbid and dark, but um, are you happy today? I am, yes. I am very happy today. I am um, more at peace and happy and confident than I have ever been, which I think is 
just a part of life. Like you said, growing up, I think that as I'm aging, I'm just becoming more and more comfortable with myself. But yeah, to stand back and watch everything and to to constantly know that I made the right decision and um, that I do keep doing. I have dedicated myself to trying to stop this man from from uh, being in office. I, I am happy, but I still wrestle with a lot of guilt and I still get very bummed out and sad when people are hateful towards me. Um, so I'm a human. I still have feelings, no. but I'm in mm-hmm. such a good place. And that's not like bullshit. I'm not trying to tell everyone everything's perfect now it's of course it's not but no i think one of the things that i think people who do like you would say that you do come across very authentic you call it as it is you don't seem to bullshit you know when it's been ugly you said it's ugly and you talk about the good the bad and the ugly are you happy when you see things like last night like does this indictment make you happy no it's funny because i got i got a lot of texts last night that said like I hope you're popping some champagne or you must be happy right now. Um, It it makes me feel good in the sense of maybe potentially this will show people who he is. It makes me feel hopeful, I guess, which is so silly because after everything, I don't know that anyone's going to change their mind Mm -hmm. at this point. um, It makes me hopeful that, that there will be consequences for a lot of his behavior, but it doesn't make me happy for the country. We shouldn't be dealing with this. Mm -hmm. We should be concerned about happening around the world and in our own country. We shouldn't be dealing with this. But it is a win for the rule of law and the Constitution and democracy and uh, maybe it, it depends on how it all turns out. You know, very, I guess very true, very true. But you know, this uh, all this like you know, it's a sad, dark day for America. I don't know if I buy into that. I'd prefer to take the emotion out of it. I think on a very transactional basis, it's a very important day for America. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, um, but I, I'm definitely not like jumping around, popping champagne, saying "I told you so." No, nothing like that. Yeah, I really. What do you think of the Republican reaction, like from McCarthy on down? Like, it, it, isn't it just insane that they're still defending it, this guy? You haven't seen the indictment yet. You don't know what they have. Right. In fact, I actually—it's so interesting you asked me that. Last night I was watching and seeing all the reactions and I I was thinking, you know, exactly what I just said. And I'm like, guys, just pretend to wait it out and see what what they've got. And then this morning there's that damn recording. Right. And that that transcript. And he says, the former president says, I could have declassified it, but I can't now. Look, look, you know. And I thought, okay, McCarthy and crew, how are you going to defend this? Oh, they'll find a way. Like, well, Biden had some documents at his house. Is that going to be, you know, um, it's insanity. And it's, I think it goes back to the most basic, back in the day when you were a kid and you were on a certain team and your team just had to win at all costs. That's where we're at. It's not like, well, sorry that Joey on my team is an asshole and cheated and stepped on your teammate. No, we didn't do anything wrong. We just have to win. Yeah, we used to live in a country where, partisanship ended at the border, right? We all agreed on who our enemies were. We agreed on who our allies were. We're living in an upside down world now. We, we hate Zelensky. We love Putin. We love Kim Jong-un. We, overturning elections is okay. Storming the Capitol, killing and beating up cops is fine. Like, yeah, it's yeah. insane. When did they, the Republican Party had that turn? And I can't believe they made that turn for Trump. Of all people. Well, but 
I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it is for Trump. I think if they had an inkling that they wouldn't lose their own seats in Congress and their power if they turned on Trump, they would turn on Trump. I do believe that. They're, They're not doing this because they truly, you know, and I know, they all talk behind closed doors about what a pain in the ass he is and they just wish he'd go. But they can't do that because they will be primaried and they will lose their own power. That I believe that with all my heart. This is not about Trump. It's about them. And shame on them. But also it's sad because those the voters will put somebody else in power. I mean, it's it's craziness. And it's it's almost akin to being in the White House when people are like, why are you there? Well, if I'm not there, somebody crazier could be there. And I don't know what sh- what's going to happen. And I know that is how the people in Congress are justifying it. If I'm not here, I get primaried and some wackadoo takes office. Who knows what's going to happen? I understand how you can shape the narrative any way you want. You could say, yeah, Trump's crazy. But with us here, much worse won't happen. And so but you can attack each and every one of them on whether or not they contributed or not to the craziness. Because had they collectively, Mattis, all these guys, if they just stood up, if Mitch McConnell said, I was with Trump up until the treason. Could the, any one of these people or, or together, could they have just stopped this? McCarthy, on January 7th, 2021, had a golden opportunity to stop it all. And he chose not to. So I don't know. Where does it end? How does it end? Can it end? I don't um, know. Are we too that, far gone? That's, I, I, well, yes, I think we are quite far gone because I think at this point, even if, even if, um, Let's just say, let's just say for the sake of it, that Trump ends up at somewhere down the road in jail and he's like gone, right? I think that the new monster is the extreme MAGA base that everybody is held hostage by now. So whereas a McCarthy now, if, you know, Trump suddenly were just gone, he's still held hostage by the extremism that to put him in office, to keep him in office, et cetera. Mm. So... On the one hand, I think the Republican Party is very far gone. But on the other hand, you know, I I believe full heart, fully that the general election, no extreme MAGA person is ever going to win a general. Mm-hmm. So I think that in that regard, the country has a little bit of a, I don't know, safety net. I don't believe anybody extreme will ever be in the White House again. And speaking of that, 2024, is there anybody non-Trump, who you think has any kind of chance, who is an interesting candidate, who appeals to you in particular? Well, that, those are two different answers. Do I do I think in, anybody that appeals to me, I don't think they have a chance. I don't. Um, I really, I really like, um, why can't I blink Asa? Why Hutch, am I blinking on Disney? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Jeez. Um, I'm saying I like him. I can't think of his name. I But I do like him. I like his message. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I, you know, I love Chris Christie's message right now. I think that, again, he calls a spade a spade. He, he calls it as he sees it. And I think that's important. But I don't think either of them really have a, a path. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't get behind DeSantis. I can't. His issues socially, I just can't. I cannot get behind. Um, Pence, I think, you know, I think he's got some some good messages, some good policies. But you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. And that's what he's doing. Um so the short answer is, I think that right now, today, we're stuck with Trump as the nominee. 
that that could change. I'm hopeful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we'll leave on that note. Stephanie, uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Hope you'll come back again. Thank you. And take care. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. That's episode 83. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446, email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, or tweet to me at Andy Ostroyd. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. Also, take a quick moment to subscribe or uh, follow us. Uh, You'll get notified every time we post a new episode. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jen Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wynn in the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Stephanie Grisham. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week. Thank you.